<laughs> Is that all you can remember? Maybe you can hum the theme song Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong While the memory's not too strong There's a piece of you from a time long gone So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain Question we ask is still the same Is it a treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Alright, welcome back to another episode of Is This Still Good? I'm Gavin Murray, one of the hosts There's another host who is a sage, who is also a host. And with us today, we have a new guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, lady guest, Genevieve. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and Genevieve, what do you have for us to speak about today? We are going to be going over the classic film, Little Nemo in Slumberland. Yeah. This was a classic to me. And Sage, have you ever heard of this movie before? I have never heard of this movie. All right, good. I my think lead... you may have shown me one of the bed sequences <laughs> a year ago or something as reference for another animation thing. Probably not even a year ago, because I did recognize like two minutes of this movie. But no, I have never heard of it. I think... When you suggested Nemo, I assumed you were talking about Finding Nemo. I think I actually it's showed okay. you... Um, I found an animation test, which they put even more detail into to as a proof of concept. That's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Sorry about the leading question there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Genevieve, when did you first see this movie, if you can recall? I don't even remember the first time. I just remember watching it throughout my childhood like any we didn't have cable tv or anything and so we'd rent vi videos from the library and that was always one that i'd like getting it again and which is crazy because i was born in 1989 and that's when the movie actually came out and it's just been a part of my childhood and so when you told me gavin that you knew exactly what movie i was talking about and that you had seen it i got so excited because i had never met anybody else who knew that movie See, I, yeah, I, I grew up with it, too, in the same respect. I think we rented it from Tower Video a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think I found a copy of it at uh, Streetlight Records when I was a little older. And so I've owned it since okay. I was probably in high school, maybe middle school. I've realized a lot of the animation I grew up watching, some of it is more offbeat. And it I think it was just, it depended which tower records or blockbuster you went to and what was in the uh whatever the the you the know staff picks oh uh, <laughs> was repping at the time in terms of like you know you're walking through the animation sec uh, section and whatever they've chosen to give like the full 90 degree turn and show the entire box art is going to be so much more appealing Gavin, at this point, do you think we should try to get a sponsorship from Towered Records? Uh, how do you think we can monetize Oh, this? yeah. I definitely think we should hit them up. I'm sure they'll reply okay. right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I was, I've been surprised that, first of all, Sage had never heard of it. And then I reached out to a few other people. And yeah, I guess it was a little less well-known than I thought. Although I felt very vindicated with during our last episode, I asked Hilton about it. And Hilton was like, oh, shit, yeah. I fucking love that movie. Nice. So much of my childhood. Everything. Go Hilton. <laughs> I know. I was listening to your guys' Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode, and I was surprised by how like sheltered you guys were from all the other shows, like Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
Well, oh, that's yeah, just I, me. Gavin grew up with all that. Yeah. No, I wasn't allowed to watch the Power Rangers. And Which I didn't is crazy. Have cable either. It was but, too violent. <laughs> it was like that's who you idolize, though. You're like yeah. these are crime fighters, and look at them turn into machines that are yeah. animal like. I grew uh, up watching Zo- Power Zords? Rangers Zoids? until <laughs> until my parents came home one day, and me and my friends were literally fighting each other. And oh then they decided maybe not. We're like four. Maybe not. See, that didn't stop me from doing that. <laughs> right? It doesn't. Yeah, I remember idolizing the Blue Ranger, not knowing anything about his personality. Mm. Just good color. I liked the color blue. Yeah. yeah. I always color. took turns. I was like, ooh, I like the yellow ranger. Okay, pink ranger. Okay, actually green ranger. Okay, white ranger is the shit. Like, it, it now I feel weird idolizing white ranger. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. That did not age well. So, yeah. Good. good. Touche. Let's discuss, let's do a quick overview of, like, the little plot that is in this movie. Sage, do you want to give it a shot since this was your first go-around with it? I would love to hear it? your... Yeah, no, this should, this should definitely be. We always try to have the person least familiar with it. Uh, <laughs> and full disclosure, I was quite high when I watched this movie for the first time two days ago. Perfect. <laughs> so we'll see what I retain. Little Nemo is just a, is just a sleepy boy with a best friend pet flying squirrel. Uh, he's he's sleeping around, and he is That's sleepwalking, a weird and he's doing all the sleep things. It's too late to take it back now. <laughs> One night slash day slash whenever, uh, a whole parade comes into his bedroom and announces that they are taking him to Slumberland. He gets in a ship, and they go past a nightmare to Slumberlands. And now they're in Slumberlands, and they are trying to find the king who is hiding in his train station, just working on trains, and they get along famously, and the king tells him, Nemo, you're here to be my heir. Uh, never mind the fact that there is a princess in this movie. Thank you for noting that. <laughs> well, this is, this is the part of the movie where I'm like, wait, am I missing things? Or are things just not being acknowledged? <laughs> and that just kept on happening through the rest of the movie. What happens next? There is also a a rascally puck type character yeah, voiced by enough. Mickey Rooney. Flip? Flip is his name? Correct. Is that? Hell yeah, I'm doing great. Who is just, he's just an agent of chaos. He's, what would that be on the alignment chart? Chaotic neutral? Chaotic evil, man. He's always getting into trouble. Is he chaotic evil? I don't evil? know if he's chaotic evil. I think chaotic neutral. I think he's a fuck boy. Like, <laughs> he just gets that kid into trouble left and right. He does. He teaches them how to be mischievous and how to really take full advantage of the dream space. Yeah, Um, I mean, that's the thing. He's more... He would have been great in Inception. What's that, What's that like, philosophy where you just do everything you want? Nihilism? Hedonism. He's a little hedonist. Yes. And the king has a scepter that pushes back the forces of Nightmarelands. And at some points... Uh, he gets separated from the scepter at a ball, and the forces of Nightmare Lands, which in my mind are like the uh, the Heartless from Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> uh, drag him off to Nightmare Lands. And little Nemo wakes up, but he's still in a dream. This is one of several times this happens. <laughs> and gets in his flying bed, and he runs off to Nightmare Lands with his entourage to try to save the king. And... More characters are introduced, and he eventually does that. 
I spent through some of it. You covered a lot. That's mostly accurate. I I think two things I want to hang on specifically is that uh, Nemo's being groomed to be prince, and you're assuming married to the princess, who is the one who invites him in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another child. She has to lure him with candy. Yes, cookies. (laughs) Yeah. Also, very specifically, upon his, I think it does revolve around coronation, but he's given the key to every door in Slumberland, including one door that he must never open because it holds back the nightmare. Yes, and he makes a promise uh, to do to to not do that. And then the next thing he does is he does that because little kids are fucking jerks. And flip, I, let him to let flip had him do it, man. He's like, that's, come on, Nemo. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna take a a stance that that is not on Flip. Flip is a bad influence, but that kid made his own decision, and I am. You're it's right. Hard, it's hard for me to forgive Nemo for that. Um, there's a lot so of things in this movie. That child made his own decision is your argument? The child yes. is going to be married to the princess who is being groomed made the right. choice to open the door. They're going to have to like be rule slumberland. That's a lot of... I mean, of hope, that, the king seems like he's got some life left in him. I think he'd be around for a few more years, but... King Morpheus, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's... There's a lot of things I, I, I actually usually don't like in movies that for some reason just get a pass in this movie. And I think yeah, I'm, knowing <laughs> you as well as I do, I'm kind of surprised by your reaction to a lot of this. Because there is a lot of just magic. There's a lot of just convenience and things that I've heard you complain about in a lot of other movies. Yeah, but there's just so much beauty in this film that it like almost doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah. So Genevieve, what was what was some of your favorite things about this movie growing up, if you remember? Okay, I totally remember. I remember getting super scared of the nightmare goo that's coming behind the door. But I remember loving like Bon Bon and when they're in, they're like have the butterfly wings on them. And then they're like flying over Slumberland and then Real they quick, land. Who, who's Bon Bon? Because we haven't established Bon Bon that. is that clown girl thing. I, I, I don't, I guess it's genderless, but it's the one, it's the yeah. thing that gives Nemo's the cookies with the professor genius or whatever. When they they're first... both adorable and come off as a little right? soulless. Exactly. I'm like, I don't know if like, I feel like they're just, I don't know, beings. Like, I don't even think that they're like actually like gendered in the film also like, did you did you take it as bonbon bon was that specific one or was yes. all of the pe- okay i took it that way too but i was curious but well they don't name any of the other ones no um but then they like go in the like dandelion like puff balls and they're sitting on top of that like spinning tower thing that's like just floating up in air and i'll never forget the part where princess camille is like I will, uh, this day, I will for- never forget. And it's like her accent in that moment is so awful that I even remember as a kid being like, what an awful accent. <laughs> it's like pseudo-British, but like the worst kind. But yeah, it's not even past. like a transatlantic compromise. <laughs> yeah. But so I love that. And then also just like the fact that he got to fly in his bed, I always thought was super cool because yeah. when I was a kid, I thought too, like my toys would like move in the night when I, and like protect me from like bad dreams. And so that I have a movie to recommend you. <laughs> Ooh. What? It's, it's Toy Story. Oh, pff, seen that. Um, which also like confirmed my beliefs as a child that I was like, toys do come alive. Um, 
See, I yeah, had too I much Chucky, the Chucky trailer oh, just haunted, this. like, fucked me up as a kid. I didn't even see the movie, but the trailer I, was frightening I saw enough. part of the movie, and it stuck with me so bad, and it was, like, some army one, and it, it yeah, I hear you. It's the, the horror of it stuck with me. Right? <laughs> yes. Something I realized watching it yesterday, because I watched it twice yesterday, but I'd never realized that it was a metaphor for him, like, him remembering his promise not to open the door was him eating the pie that his Which, mom had in the in the d- fridge yeah do do they does he make that promise in the movie because i no. never yeah that's just and it's just that paper that's on the thing yeah okay just make it right and they don't even show him eating pie so that's why i'm like is what like i well, never made that connection as yeah. a kid right because he was sleepwalking but well, then the next day i mean when, was when he the, yeah right but, <laughs> so the next day though when the dad's like I'm um, going to take him to the circus. He's like, Mom, I'm sorry I broke my promise and I ate the pie. Yeah, no, actual character development, which uh, we'll get into later. Like, he, yes. he, he learns his lesson sorry, in his dreams. Ahead, yeah. And no, but, uh, we, we're, we're finished going over the plot of the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also, also leading up to right before he wakes up, the last thing he does is he goes from, he has to be lured to Slumberman, Slumberland to hang out with the princess by cookies. And he doesn't even want to because it's a princess. It's yeah, a girl. he's like, I've never hung out with Gross. a girl before. Even though earlier that day she threw him a rose and he caught it and he was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, boys are complicated. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, too, is like is every she- major character in Slumberland is present in the circus going by that we see in the beginning of the film. So his dreams are being like they're plucking bits of his real life, reorganizing them much like dreams do. And spitting out this strange narrative. Yeah. Which, which is, doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. And, okay, also, so, like, in the very beginning, you know how Flip, like, runs into Nemo when it's the actual, like, circus coming through town? He, like, bumps yeah. into him. And then Morpheus is like, here, come ride on my horse. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, so that's exactly where his dream is pulling that from. Flips a fuck up again. Mm-hmm. Don't care about nobody. Okay. And then the king is like, you're my chosen boy. Come sit on my horse. Right. And the princess throws him a rose. Yes, exactly. I'm like, that's one special fucking kid. And there's also the, the professor is in there somewhere, but I forget what he's doing. Yeah, I don't um, remember either. Professor Genius. <laughs> professor Genius. Oh, man, I'd forgotten about his name. Professor. <laughs> now it makes sense. And yeah. a genius. Well, actually, that's just his name. Yeah, you can call <laughs> me Genius. <laughs> Sage, what were some of your favorite parts of this movie? <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a lot of this movie I, I like. Um... I loved the whimsical nature of just like he's flying on the bed and at various parts in the movie, the fact that this is very clearly through the eyes of a child uh, works for me and does not work for me because it works for me when he just says we and yippee way too much. <laughs> totally. And then they do on it the bed. multiple times, even when they're racing on with the like with, with the princess, they do that again. And they're like, we, well, yeah, I mean, it wears they on me. It works they the only first have, time. They only have so many, so you know, those uh, SAG child hours, you know, you only get them <laughs> for like a half day. Uh, they so got to squeeze, you got to just like, they just go. They have a pure B-roll of the yippies. <laughs> this is great. This is so cool. This is All right, fantastic. Uh, we got 30 minutes left of the session. <laughs> uh, just, just make some sounds like you're having fun. <laughs> I think that's very much. Yeah, that's great. More, more. I don't know. I've actually got a lot to talk about the sound design in general in this movie, but things I like in this movie. 
<laughs> I liked the montage, uh, the kind of the musical number as he's being trained to be mm-hmm. prince. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, when, as it just when goes he... back and forth. I wish it had been a lot more than four things, just one after the other. Well, yeah, that would be really complicated the for the musical. Uh, it, it wouldn't be that complicated. <laughs> you've just like cast a couple more voices and you've spent more time animating. Because what is it? It's fencing, dancing, mm-hmm. etiquette, and books. Yeah, and it, but the books are like, you do <laughs> not a horse thing. Do this. Do not spit. Blah blah yeah. blah. Oh they're yeah, they're right. There books. is a a horse yeah. one. But instead of like just having those five things going over and over, I would have liked to see twenty things that happen like once or twice or something. Or like, just what, like, are, what does a prince really need to know? Yeah, really shitting on this dude's ima- imagination. <laughs> He's just yeah. a kid, Sage. Let him be. <laughs> I will not. I also forgot <laughs> you to were judging the decisions he was making earlier. <laughs> I think Icarus is like one of the best parts of the whole movie. Yeah, He's so cute. The squirrel noises that he makes the entire time. Right? And he's like, I brought yeah. a rat. <laughs> so I love this tradition in animation. Like, even though, you know, this movie either takes place in a dream or his imagination or whatever, the squirrel was always real. <laughs> yep. Like, despite that, he just has he really a best friend squirrel that could talk with it. This is such a tradition a in, like, squirrel. all animation. Also seems to very much just actually share his dreams uh, from how much we're led to believe this empathetic squirrel um, you know, tumbles out of bed with him and shares concern and, you know. Well, it's his totem. Oh, my God. So <laughs> right. uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, one of my favorite movies, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which just Fantastic has. Film. Yeah, I mean, that that's not a, a, a movie that uh, is realistic in any way, but he does just have a best friend monkey, which can't talk, but is very much a character and not an animal. <laughs> Very much a human. <laughs> Genevieve, you already mentioned like the ooze. Yes. Which I remember growing up, I also watched the Care Bears movie a lot. And I think my sister had, I think it was a My Little Pony movie. Um, But like so much of late 80s, um, especially Western animation, was filled with just a villain that was purple ooze or black ooze trying to destroy like this small civilization of either really? caring like bears. Yeah, Fern Gully too. Like it's, it's just like that late 80s uh smog or ooze villain. I've never seen any of the things that you're talking about. Oh damn. Fern Gully <laughs> is about deforestation and protecting the rainforest. Have you really so. not seen Fern Gully Sage? Nah, dog. Did you see Avatar? <laughs> yes, and I'm aware they're the same thing. Did you see Dancing with Wolves? Uh, long time ago. So, oh, Dancing wow. with Wolves ripped off Fern Gully. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I believe I you. I can't back that up. I'm also aware know, of all like, these things. I just haven't the seen it. There's no fairies, unfortunately. I too watched it a little, little stoned at this time, which made for a very, very fun experience. Um, because it's just like so visually rich. The the bed flying and. Like, it opens up with him flying in his, or not opens up, but, like, early on, he's flying with his bed uh, all through, I, I guess it's New York. I always thought it was Europe growing up, but I guess it's New York. Yeah, because they had that, uh, that, you know, Statue the of Liberty. Thing. Statue of Liberty kind of yeah. kind of signifies oh, okay. <laughs> at the end. Um, when does this movie take place? Do we know? I don't know. It's okay. got to be like Victorian era based on the clothing of the mom and dad is what my assumption is. And yeah. the fact Some that of the their fridge is like same. a little, yeah. it's like a icebox. 
because you could still tell a story today where like someone falls asleep and is like the ki- like the concept of kings are still around. Hell, there are still several kings in the world. <laughs> right. And you know, we've also yeah. talked how I'm not not down with monarchy and it doesn't, you know, there's something about this like that you just kind of accept that King Morpheus is a righteous dude and he's treating all the people in Slumberland fairly. Just Yeah, they love him. I don't know. He's pretty good. Yeah. Doesn't do much except for dance a lot, but and and ride <laughs> his toy trains. Yeah. Man, because that, that sequence too, like I know it's coming and I'm so excited and it lives up to every bit of hype. The way they animate this, you know, mountain of a man riding on a toy train set throughout the halls of a of his castle is just so joyous. It's quite charming. And when he meets Nemo and he's like, hmm, don't know what's wrong with this train. And then Nemo's like, well, it could be the piston gasket. Piston gasket, you might be right. Uh, Rich. And they just start, like, forming this fire line of, like, the tiny squirrel handing something to the little boy, handing something to this gigantic uh, mountain of a man. I'm just going to use that term again. And they're all right. And they fix this train. And he's going to done it with his daughter. So the the boy's around now. (laughs) Girls don't know about trades. (laughs) Her entrance, too, I really enjoy because she's just so confident in, like, a really fun way where she just kind of picks him apart, continuously calls his best friend a rat, (laughs) and knows she can get away with it. She's a delight. Yeah. And he's, like, straight up, like, you invited me here. It's not my fault I'm in pajamas. She's like, you're so cute. Absolutely, Nemo. Which... Kind of works also because anything, anytime he gets mad, she can just entirely diffuse him to like, it's not that he's even like accepting feelings. He's just so confused because he's a little boy. <laughs> he just kind of falls apart. He just doesn't know how to respond to that. I would argue that he's the most confused little boy I've ever met in any media. Would you like to further further on that? No, I think it speaks for itself. Okay. He's just so confused all the time, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, like, I know he's... it's a new set of circumstances, but like that is his default. Is I don't get it. <laughs> okay, but I mean, it's also with the dream logic that works in this film. Like he is both in charge of his own actions, and so much gets away with him or from him. It's kind of interesting trying to pick apart like how much of this is lucid dreaming and how much is just dreaming. Like, does he really control his bed? The way he seems to, that giant freaking manta ray that chases him around for a while that like still haunts me from my childhood. More so than any other part of the nightmare. The nightmare always scared me. That goo, man. So the evil. goo yeah, the goo's freaky, but like that manta, the giant flying manta ray that he also brutally slices apart in the ending, which I'd kind of forgotten about. I definitely did. <laughs> um but yeah, I just want to hammer again on those visuals of like him flying this and like the way that it takes these wonderful moments and turns them into abject terror too. Because he's like flying his bed at one moment and then all of a sudden he's falling and then he's being chased by a train. That part's and then, crazy. And then he runs into his mom who doesn't turn around, which is like, I know probably not supposed to read as that terrifying. It's probably most to be, be, yeah, supposed to be her not realizing the danger that this train's about to hit the house. 
But there's something terrifying about adults not turning around to face you in dreams that at least rocked me as a kid. I don't know. Does this still happen to you? <laughs> Are your uh, look just at me. people not turning around and Please you being ignored? We don't. We don't need to get into my subconscious too much uh, on this podcast. We don't need but... to. <laughs> I this movie is just so gorgeous looking. The animation is so beautiful. It's also this really weird mix of oh. Um, I know I'm jumping all over the place. I'm sorry. Uh, you asked what time this movie took place. And the original comic strip that it's based on um, by Windsor McKay started in 1906. And I'm assuming was written current. So this is probably like a turn of the century um, story. This is probably when it takes place. When the so is, bulls is... were still a safe mode of transportation. <laughs> <laughs> is little Mimo basically a man in that society then? Is this a full like coming of age adult story where the child just happens to be eight? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I'm confused. I'm by just your... saying, well, kids grew up a lot faster than oh, you'd yeah, start to go not, to a factory. A factory. When you were <laughs> uh, I mean, he's eight. So it's pre, pre factory times. <laughs> You didn't hear what I said then. You said nine. Thoughts. You said yeah. nine. I'm saying to like work. he's he about to become a man because he's eight. Also, I am making up numbers. <laughs> and I'm answering them with solid facts. Just saying. Nope, um, you're being contemptible. <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about, just because I didn't know this going in, um, the road that this went to to get made. And we can jump back to anything at any time because our podcast has as strong a structure as this film. So this is the brainchild of, and I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these names and I apologize. Yutaka Fuijoka, who was one of the higher ups at uh, TMS, which was Tokyo movie, movie Shinsha, which had made like Lupin the third, uh, in America, they made Inspector Gadget, DuckTales, Batman the Animated Series, Animaniacs, Spider-Man. They also just wrapped making Akira before making this movie. Those are like some of all of my favorites from childhood. Yeah, I've actually seen most of these. They're kind of a big deal. The TMS logo, uh, like that blue, bright blue kind of really flowing text, you know, you see in a lot of they also did Detective Conan, which I never really watched growing up, but I know it was a really big deal uh, internationally. I know and this he... probably isn't what that is, but is there any chance that's like Conan the Barbarian as a detective? I'm just going to not tell you what it is and let you live with that me dream. Because that... that would be so <laughs> great. Yeah. Would you say me solve crimes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to work that into a, into a pilot when we finish this. What is best in life? To solve crimes <laughs> and to see the... See the DNA evidence. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this guy uh, went and he approached George Lucas, who didn't love the storyline. He's like, where's the character development? Then he went to Chuck Jones of... Um, my brain is blanking. What is Bugs Bunny in? Looney Tunes? That one. That is correct. <laughs> Chuck Jones of Looney From Tunes Space fame. Jam. <laughs> And he also approached Hayao Miyazaki and Iso Takahata, who are like two of the best anime directors in Ever. history. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I need to explain who they are, but they're incredible and you should look up everything they've ever done. 
I mean, I actually am only familiar with Miyazaki. The other name I feel like I'm hearing for the first time. Is there something I would know? He he did. He's done a lot of really gorgeous and more adult animation than Hayao Miyazaki. But yeah, everything he does is just the performances are incredible, and the the way he moves uh, the story visually is absolutely beautiful. Uh, they both turned it down, or no, they both worked on it and then quit. <laughs> uh, Miyazaki called it the worst experience of his career. What? Wow. <laughs> what makes like designing animation and telling that story like a miserable experience? I think well, Miyazaki's whole big thing is again character development is something that he does very very well and he tells stories about kids growing up and like you know so much of it is about these people on self-discovery which this movie is is definitely hinging on what made the comic strip great which is the visual perspectives the way like architecture bends how color is used this comic was a uh, full page but like it's just crazy visuals and then the kid wakes up. So, you know, he can't grow up. He, you know, because he's got to go to sleep the next day and dream another dream. That's correct. So Those two things are incompatible. <laughs> <laughs> I could see where Miyazaki would be frustrated. Some of the writers who worked on this were Mobius of French comic fame, who is credited. Um, also credited is Chris Columbus, which I know, Sage, I believe you're a fan of. I have met Chris Columbus. One of oh, the, so uh, he's got fan. an office right by the uh, Triskelion. What's that? What's that building in San Francisco? I moved for like four months and I forget what the. It's Try something, but the his office thing? is there, and he's got like props from all his movies, whether it's the uh, the sword from Percy Jackson or like the sled from Christmas Story, right, and the Sorting Hat, and like all the more famous ones. Uh, I don't know, probably some jacket from Stepmom. <laughs> he's got the he's got Great the bed film. from Little Nemo. But he was a very charming man. He was promoting a, uh, a like a children's book that he wrote with someone else. It made a lot of sense uh, to find out that Chris Columbus wrote this uh, because you can see a difference between how Chris Columbus treats stories about children and how Miyazaki treats stories about children. Yeah, there's a lot more just adventure in, in ser- instead of like it being in service of character development, which again oh. I don't think necessarily harms this movie. And just. In case anybody doesn't know, Chris Columbus is the mind behind. He wrote Goonies. Uh, he directed Adventures in Babysitting, Home Alone. Uh, what's um, what's that Robin Williams family movie where he played Mrs. Doubtfire? Doubtfire. Mrs. Oh, Doubtfire, so Harry Potter, like a lot of just seminal children's movies across several generations. See, I knew but I could he, hang, hand this off to you. <laughs> yeah, but then he also directed like Pixels and... Percy Jackson, like they're not all they're not all hits, but he's got a very consistent brand and a very consistent paycheck. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I'm not done. Also connected to this movie at one point or another was uh, Ray Bradbury, who I believe gets story credit, and Brad Bird. Wait, that's like Fahrenheit 451. Ray Bradbury. Yeah, this. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm telling you, the guy Windsor McKay, who and his this comic strip that this movie is based on have been a big deal for a long time. Like, my dad has a book of these comics. And, like, Maurice Sendak based The Night Kitchen, like, he calls that I was literally going to bring up Maurice Sendak and how this reminded me of some of his stories. Yeah. are super fantastical kids doing crazy things, basically. 
Yeah, and like just being lost in like a different world. Like the Night Kitchen is was one of my favorite yeah. comics or uh, books growing up. It's absolutely gorgeous. And if you lived in San Francisco growing up when I did, you got to go to the Night Kitchen restaurant at the Metreon what? where they just brought that to life and you could sit in it. <laughs> That's dope. I had no idea. Uh, Isn't it did the Night not Kitchen last the one long. that has the like penises in it? I mean, there's a lot of dough shaped into different things. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them looked like penises. It's kind of the way, like, you know, The Little Mermaid had penises on the cover uh, when it first came out on VHS. But that's just the way those castles looked, guys. Sometimes <laughs> spires look like penises. Sometimes castles look like dicks. Yeah. It's the, s- it's the Transamerica building, by the way. That was going to bother me. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes when you're, you're, when you're a group of rodents solving adventures, there's just a, a frame of pornography that slips into the film. Disney's Disney. just presenting, you know, realism as best they can. Uh, they have a whole other, These whole lot of real. other issues, but uh, penises being on the covers, you know, I get. I'm just saying. That is the official stance of this podcast. It's a man's <laughs> world, so there's dicks everywhere. <laughs> Mostly, I'm just trying to prove to Sage that this movie, even though he knows that he lived in a cabin in Alaska and that he has his own reasons for not knowing this movie existed, but he questioned it too many times to me. <laughs> Most of them are spite now, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> So also Tom Petty and Genesis both wrote songs about uh, Little Nemo Adventure in Slumberland. What? That's badass. Alan Moore has made numerous tributes in both in Miracle Man, Sandman, and Promethea. I'm sure there's more. I'm done. Yeah, uh, I'll start. I'll I'll stop flaunting that. We can we can. That's move crazy on. though. I, that's super interesting because it's all stuff that I'm like I never knew any of that. And those are all like dope ass people. No wonder this movie is so good. So and your argument is a... that it's great by proxy? <laughs> is I'm that what you're trying to... It's great and it inspired, which is the uh, highest heights that we can, you know, Fathom, yeah. try, and, uh, try and achieve is I mean, to I could inspire others. definitely pick up on influence from other things I love. I am curious, too, about how, like, Mickey Rooney got involved in this. Because, I mean, for me, that's the only actor who I was like, oh, I know who that is, obviously. Yeah. That's the Asian guy from Breakfast at Tiffany's, right? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> that that's, is, that's unfortunately, what I know him most from. Okay. Well, I watched a lot of, like, he did this series called Andy Hardy growing up. And so he there was my favorite one that was him and Judy Garland. And it's Andy Hardy Finds Love. And he was just super adorable in that. And that was probably, like, my favorite. Mickey Rooney. And I just saw his um grave, actually, at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Rest in peace. I didn't know he he had passed away. I mean, I assumed. Um, I also, real quick before we move on, after me naming all those people who wound up not working on the project, credit to Masami Hata and William Hertz, who did wind up uh, directing it. Um, I believe William Hertz probably directed the live uh, the the English voice cast. He did a George of the Jungle series. William Hertz. There's like one season of a cartoon <laughs> of George of the Jungle. Okay. Now you know. Well, is there anything that you're not a fan of in this movie, Genevieve? Any, any room for improvement? Um, okay, so I wish the princess had a little more going for her, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> a little more to do? A little more to do, a little more, um, not even just personality, but like a purpose, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, even when they're in Nightmare Land and she's like getting attacked by those goblins or whatever and she's like let go of my dress and i'm like and that's what you're fighting for girl like really (laughs) you got a little more pressing issues at hand and your dress is your concern like that's unfortunate writing but 
I also noticed something that stuck with me was that Mickey Rooney's flip, that fuck, he's like at one point to the princess, you know, you're cute when you're mad. And I'm like, she is a child, sir. <laughs> but then she punches him in the face. And I loved that. Um, she she definitely can handle her own in this movie. Right? I respect that. And again, I was so sage when you mentioned that the dad brings in Nemo, even though he's got the princess. I also am like, what? Why? Why are you overlooking your lady? Like, she can rule. She can handle her own, obviously. And you don't have to teach her how to be a princess. She already knows. Also, I think it's interesting just the cigar smoking that Flip does. Right. So Continuously. Much. Yeah. And then and she tries to ban him to stop and he doesn't. And then he gets the bird all fucked up on the cigar. <laughs> right. At the end, they, he like fake holds what is essentially a gun pointed at them as yeah. a joke and uh-huh. then sets off a firework and yeah. then smokes a cigar a that's like cigar. eight feet long in one go and then just collapses. <laughs> it takes a giant hit off that cigar. Like yeah. until it's all ash and then that's that would kill you. And then they sentence him to no longer smoke cigars and he laughs because no rules apply to Flip. And also, okay, so another question is when Nemo finally arrives to, like, fight the Nightmare King or whatever he is, um, I don't understand how the Professor, Genius, the Princess, and Morpheus are all in those, you know, tubes or whatever. Right. Which reminded me of, like, Power Rangers. Exactly. Right? I agree. Like, where, um, who is it? Zed? Who's, no. Yeah, who's in the, I think the face Zed. thing? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, or Zod or something. Zod, yeah. No, whatever. Zod's. Emperor Zod. Superman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zed. That's what they call him in Britain. I think you were positing how they got there because that is. Yes. Yeah. They just kind of get captured. And we never see that. We just see them captured. That was another moment where Nemo wakes up. Yes. And so we lose the sight of everyone them. else. And the goblins are in the real world. Okay. And you, th- you would think. So you know how the. King Morpheus has to use his special wubba dubba lub uh, for <laughs> his scepter. Yeah. And he, they never actually teach Nemo what the hell he's saying, which is like pajamas. Pajamas is more important pajama, than pajama, how to pajama, do horse ballet. <laughs> right? Exactly. De- like, I forget what it's called. Like decantering or something? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's an incantation, thought, right? Thank you. Yes. And. Icarus has to hold it up for him. And I'm like, at what point did you write this down? Because you remembered it. I think that's actually all the training he gets is Morpheus just passes him a note. That would have been probably the most helpful thing. I think that's just, what happens. Like, I focus think on that's this. How he gets it. Memorize this. Because that's what you really need to know. Yeah. If you, you know, when you're ready. Because that's another thing, too, is like King Morpheus doesn't think he's going to be gone anytime soon. Um, so he's he doesn't still, expect Nemo to fuck up. Yeah, he doesn't, especially like day one. Jesus. I know. It was <laughs> you had so one important. job. Exactly. <laughs> it's a big job. The, the job just required you not opening a that door. door. <laughs> that one door. You could open any door except the spooky one. You got to do it. Yeah. The door is not like something that you want. Like it's not inviting. It's a spooky <laughs> door with the spooky locks and it has the dragon thing on it. Yeah. Oh boy. Can I say that? I hate how much of this movie is listening to a kid just rhyme things with pajama. 
I truly, it's, I hate that that's that the incantation. The it's several minutes of time of just him saying it. And he says it or so trying to figure slowly. It out. It's, like, it's written in front of you. Can little D, oh, can little Nemo not read? He's learning. <laughs> Those are some complicated, some complicated made up words, you know, aside but from he, pajama, like, which he remembers because they're made fun of. <laughs> and like, you know, I texted Gavin that I was bothered by this. It's like, well, it's a complicated phrase. I'm like, right, but. Like, a writer wrote that phrase and made that decision that this is what's going to be in the movie. So someone is, is still at writing. fault for making me feel like this. It's not me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that gives the, the villainous uh, reference to Fantasia. I'm assuming Fantasia was made before this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Fantasia was made, like, 50 years before this. Was it really? Oh, yeah, I guess it was. Fantasia, are you thinking of Fantasia 2001? No. Because <laughs> that was made in 2001. Oh. Probably, I'd have to look it up. <laughs> Two thousand one, a Fantasia Odyssey. I just, but then you get that great moment because, like the the Nightmare King is realizing that you know he might be get off st- scot free just because you know this little Nemo is way under trained for uh, is, you know fighting nightmares. Is so he gets the to incantation go, referenced pajamas. in pajamas? Yeah, too scary. <laughs> is that referenced at all in the comics? The incantation or the, the I, scepter? I or don't anything? know. I wouldn't be surprised if the scepter was. Flip is definitely a mainstay. I think there is the nightmare, and I think Slumberland is actually destroyed once or twice in the comics, but I don't think they're very plot-based. I don't think that like there is that much. It's mostly just look at this crazy room that Nemo's in. You know, now he's upside down. He's on a that ceiling. Was you know, that kind of on thing. On the tables. Oh, yeah. yeah. That I forgot about that. That does happen in the movie. It does. Well, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. jumping on the tables and then he falls down that huge thing of stairs. I'm a sucker yeah. for those type of sequences. Well, that's, that's especially great because, you know, I'm sure that happens in other movies too where it's like in Mary Poppins, they all like drink the laughing glass gas and fly to the ceiling. They drink but in laughing this one, glass. Laugh, laughing gas? This laughing glass juice? candy tastes bad. <laughs> My lips are bleeding. Why did I try to drink it without chewing? <laughs> but like they enter a room, Flip almost falls to his death or whatever. They start crawling around around the like ceiling walls, floors, and what's happening is like everything that's not them in this room has gravity reversed, but for them gravity has remained the same, which is madness. That's all. That's a good point, though. <laughs> and okay, also, I would yeah, like to, science to know movie. that Flip, we get a little bit of foreshadowing when Flip and Nemo first meet, and he pulls out the map, and he's like, I have the map right here, and it's the map right to Nightmare to Slumberland. Land. And he's like, oops, wrong map. And I was like, that's fucking foreshadowing, because they're going to need that map when they have to go there, because Nemo, of course, is going to fuck up and let in Nightmare Land. Or yep. Check out the Nightmare, Nightmare Map. Mm-hmm. And then Flip uh, falls in some water and erases his map on accident, and they're just flying by the seat of their pants. Oh yeah. boy! And then he gets all bitter. Flip gets all bitter when the princess makes him like the bag carrier, and he's like, "I was the Batman, and now I'm a bag man." <laughs> it was like you were going to be executed like ten minutes. Exactly. Ago. You were, gonna you were be about shot to be blown off into space, out of a cannon into yeah. the sun, <laughs> or whatever it was. Right, which is a thing that almost happens in this movie. And he immediately uh, tries to negotiate after he's pardoned. <laughs> what a shit. Exactly. Thank you. It was great. I love this movie. Why couldn't the kid have just said Shazam? 
Pajama Shazama. Because the words are pajama, I, I guess, shazama, shazama, pajama, 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 shazama, pajama. Yeah, duh. That took so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's got like a, there's also, because other movies that like remind me of this, like we, we mentioned, I mentioned like Care Bears, uh, reuse, like using that ooze stuff, but Fern like this Golly. also felt like a precursor for the Page Master, has a lot of this movie in it. Um, yes, yes. Totally. I think what else that like oh like rock and rule I don't know if anyone saw that that's maybe not as similar what? but or the rock Felix the cat movie like very directly feels like th- this was kind of just a type of movie that was made a lot back then um did any, any of you guys watch the Felix the cat movie I didn't know I there was such a thing it. it's like Felix the cat and he has a magic bag um magic bag of what <laughs> It can do whatever he wants. Cats. <laughs> and more, more cats. He has to go save a kingdom uh, with his friend, the princess, I think. It's and kind it, of like Mario and Luigi, too. Like the actual yeah. movie and the game. Yeah, very Never much so. Never seen the movie. It's, oh, man. Uh, that would be another good one for you guys to review. Because that's... It's a ride. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to check out, uh, apparently they made a Double Dragon movie that's got, like, actors I like in it, but no one has ever heard of or seen it. It came out, like, the year after Super Mario Brothers. I'd be super down to do a Super Mario Brothers movie uh, episode. Uh, Genevieve, if that's something you'd want to do in the future, I'm open to it. I've got to rep my Yoshi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Things so terrifying. I know that all of it, it's not, no one is cute in that movie, even though (laughs) in the game the characters are actually like i love yoshi it's so adorable wait that yeah. movie's bob hoskins and john leguizamo right yeah correct that's insane <laughs> and i think they just borrowed a uh, velociraptor from uh, <laughs> jurassic, jurassic park, park jesus play yoshi. but that's another thing that they have goo in too that movie they do yeah i, yeah, I don't not remember not that movie dark very goo, well but it's like um <laughs> like a plasma like gelatin kind of thing Interesting. I remember it. Yeah. Also, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Secret of Ooze. Of yeah. the Ooze. And Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. There was just something happening in the late 80s, early 90s. Something, something in the water. In the ooze. Well, I, I feel like we can... Let, let's, let's, let's go ahead and rate this beast. So, Genevieve, uh, we rate this on a, a three-part three system, I guess. It's either, is this still good? Is this something that was maybe better as a memory? Or is this something that we should bury in the ground and never speak of again? Great uh, ranges there. <laughs> I would, I'm in between, like, it's a great film, but also a great memory. Like, I don't think it should stay buried. I, I think this is something that if I have kids ever, like, you should check this shit out. It's crazy. Um, but as an adult, having your friends watch it, you get more, like, adult reactions where it's like, well, why are these plot holes existing and blah, blah, blah. But... <laughs> For the animation, for the storyline, I think it's still a really great and fun movie. I'm Is gonna, that I'm gonna, rated? Is that graded yeah, then? Okay. That, well, I'm, I'm going to say you should pick one. Which one are you going to say? It sounds like you're saying it's still good. It is still good. Okay. I'd go for that. Okay, cool. We agree. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you in that. I think uh, the animation alone, just like the visions that this movie dispels are absolutely beautiful. It's so clean. And it's just like a specific gorgeous world that we get to hang out in. The plot holes, I kind of excuse because nothing really breaks the world that it builds, which is really more my problem with um, a lot of fantasy films is I just get hung up on what the world's rules are. 
And this movie, you know, doesn't hard and fast set them, but it also definitely doesn't feel like it breaks them in any place. It's just a kind of silly, charming adventure um, that we get to go along with. So definitely here, here. still good for me. Well stated. All right. You're going to be our horseman so... and naysay us? <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go with uh, it's better as a memory. There's a there's a lot I like about this movie. I do get towards the third act, something just falls off and I just get bored. And I think it might be that repetition of like, oh, you know, there's like 20 minutes left of this movie and we're being introduced to new characters. <laughs> and we're going to watch him just say a bunch of nonsense words over and over in a way that's not particularly fun for me. The things I do like about this movie, um, I feel like I have seen better and more interesting in other movies that were inspired by this. I don't want to remove little Nemo from that legacy. Um, this is, this is the way I feel about a lot of media. When people try to get me to rewatch the Sopranos is like, it's a very influential idea that changed how a lot of things are made, but there are now things that are better and more rewarding to watch off of that format. So I like how, you know, in case you didn't alienate, you know, our listeners who liked this movie, you also went out of your way to bash The Sopranos. I, which I just movie. watched for the <laughs> first time. And I was like, that actually, I really loved it. I just saw I, it. I think it's I had great, no idea. too. It's great. There are just listeners like, come back. <laughs> Ignore Sage. <laughs> Sopranos better as a memory. Boom. Sage, what are those, some of those things that you, if you can, like, if you feel like they were inspired by Little Nemo that you think... Uh, well, maybe did a better job. Shazam! <laughs> wow. I mean, that's okay. kind of a little. And you think no, Shazam did a better job than Little Nemo? I, I mean, they're, they're not necessarily enjoyable. telling the same stories, but they no. are like yeah. a child forced into like a big adventure, uh, and it's like just a much more adult, heartbreaking take on it, which is something I'm more interested in. But even going back as far as like. You know, I've always thought of Shazam as a Superman ripoff. They literally came out like the same year and had the same powers and same design. And like the studio that was originally making Shazam got sued by Superman. But now that I find out about like Little Nemo and even for earlier comics, I'm like, well, no, there was there was also influence from a lot of other sources. There's, there was something in the water back yeah. in uh, whenever Superman the was invented. <laughs> but I will say, like the the sequence of uh, like gravity only somewhat working where he falls through and goes on the banister and like i am such a sucker for that and the one that's jumping into my head the most in dr strains when he gets pushed through the multiverse yeah totally yeah. and harry potter has some of that in it too yeah with uh the endless banisters i think um which is also chris columbus so you know yeah makes sense uh, is there anything genevieve that you want to call attention to in terms of being inspired by this I won when did Fern Gully come out? That feels around the same time. I would guess maybe ninety two. Because I but remember that's an absolute even guess. like when I was referencing this movie to you, I referenced Fern Gully to be like, and it had like the goo, and it's not Fern Gully, but I'm looking it up. Fern Gully. Mm-hmm. Nineteen ninety two. You're right. So, so that was like two years later. Which I don't know. Is that enough time to actually be inspired by? I yeah, it counts. Uh, so well, counts. actually, animation does take a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That would be weird if, like, all these movies just, like, you know, none of them had come out yet, and everyone's just like, we got this new thing. Ooze. It's the it, perfect villain. It's creepy. It's faceless. It's well, uncontrollable. Actually, kids will love Ooze. In, in Care Bears, it has faces, and it's actually kind of cute. 
even though it's terrifying. I would also love to watch the Care Bears movie, and I'm sure Sage will be right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, why wouldn't I like that? What one of our past conversations make you think I wouldn't be interested in watching an entire Care Bears movie? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to add really fast that uh, also a lot of the later like Miyazaki things. I understand why he like stopped working on this. There's a lot rewarding where characters have you know arcs and learn things and i just feel and like on this a is deeper just a level yeah boy yeah. that goes on adventures like i would much rather watch totoro or oh probably a better example Coraline. i think Coraline's a much better version of this movie and i really liked Coraline for the most part to me Coraline and like pan's labyrinth have these aspects of levels which this movie even though i feel like it very much falls into the same patterns I think I just saw it early enough that it kind of escaped that critical part of my brain. Because, mm. and specifically in Coraline, like, she's on an adventure having to collect various items, if I remember correctly. Or in Labyrinth in general, too, is like another... Right, which I think Labyrinth has the same goblin voices. Right? <laughs> the only thing They're I did notice, goblins. the only other voice other goblins. than Mickey Rooney that I recognized uh, was Nancy Cartwright plays one of the goblins. And that's, if I remember correctly, that's... Both Bart and Lisa Simpson, right? No, uh, that's no. Yardley Smith. Yeah. Oh, then I don't know. What, what the hell's Nancy Cartwright? <laughs> I think she also was on The part. Simpsons. I forget who she is, too. But yeah, she, she's no, she's a deal. I remember her. On our continuing just lashing out at various unrelated franchises, I'm going to go ahead and just shit on Dragon Ball Z. Because uh, <laughs> having to just go collect balls for no reason, or for some reason, but there's just a shit ton of balls out there. The story can go on forever, and they just have to go find balls and power up for a while. Meh. Go super sane. <laughs> um, but we should probably have someone on to defend and make me see the light when it comes to Dragon Ball Z, because I don't get it. Nancy Cartwright totally voiced Bart Simpson. Like, yes, you're right. right now. Sorry, right. but Lisa Simpson is Yardley Smith. Oh, okay. I always right. thought though, there was the thing where those are the same people. I know, like, no. Regina King voices both brothers the on the Boondocks. Maybe that's what I'm confused She's talented. That's possible. Well, Fantasia, 1940, by the way, so almost exactly 50 years before this. Definitely. Although. And also 10 years after this, if that's what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I was going to say 20 years after the comic, but I don't know when the Nightmare King uh, and or if he was part of the um, comic. I also wanted to mention you mentioned Miyazaki's work, which I do think is like absolutely incredible and i don't want to discount the fact that he did work on this movie like he wound up leaving but i'm sure parts of what he did are still part of this movie his thumbprints are still on this yeah absolutely he touched that child <laughs> ew um <laughs> jesus christ if i hadn't already said he's sleeping around in this movie that would probably be the most disturbing part of this podcast <laughs> anyway should we talk about what it would be like to remake this like a human version or isn't that a thing that's happening so yeah what? uh one thing that is happening is netflix has the rights and they are making little nemo which is what? the female version Sick. of little nemo um they've also redesigned flip who's being played by uh aquaman jason, jason whose name i forget yes jason momoa and okay. he's going to be like 10 feet tall in their version <laughs> Which I like an ogre. Don't get necessarily, yeah. but intriguing. How's he gonna ride a bird if he's that big? 
20 foot bird. Really much bigger bird. Yeah. Just get an Arok in there or something. We need a bigger bird. <laughs> Gonna need a bigger bird. Love it. Man, that bird too, which did you guys watch? I think it's The Secret of Nim, where it, fo- it follows this uh, rat mother whose kid is sick, and, or mouse mother whose kid okay, is sick. It's like a rat mother. And uh, she's having to go to the rats that live in the rose bush who have escaped from a lab and are super smart due to testing um, and have developed medicine and technology and they siphon power off the house they live nearby. But they have like almost the exact same bird that Flip rides named Flap is the name of his bird. Flip and Flap. That that track. (laughs) Uh, anyway, just like shout out to to Goofy Birds and animation, I'm a fan. But so go on uh, about the the remake. What else is going to be? Oh, that's all I know. Yeah, I that's forgot juicy, we were for a though. second. Yeah, it's coming. I'm you know intrigued. I'm still not. Is it going to be live action or is it another cartoon? Or... I don't know. Like Netflix has had a strong foot in animation now for a while, so I I would be down for either. I'm intrigued. I I kind of hope it's animated, but I'm very intrigued. Yeah, is because I know they're also rebooting uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender as a live action series. Um, Interesting. I guess I'd rather see like another animated version of this, probably. In terms of the animation style, I I can't think of a better suited way to do this. Like, I mean, you could just... make Nemo live action, and everything else is animated. There's probably a version of that that works. I mean, but we we had uh, Tim Burton's Wonder uh, Alice in Wonderland movie, Ugh. and there's just something about those visuals which don't work for me personally. I, <sighs> I'm open to see people trying it again, but it, I have it, a hunch if Little Nemo comes out today, you're not going to like it as much, Gavin. I just want to prepare you for that. The cartoon. Yeah. Well, and especially if Tim Burton does it, I'm sorry, but <laughs> Um, I mean, I I still love cartoons. There there's I'm so much so much of my brain is able to sh- like not shut down, but just be taken when it comes to animation. There's something to me that I'm I don't know if it's more forgiving or just more open and um you know, especially now working in the field that we do, uh when I look at cartoons, none of my technical skills, you know, so much of it requires more imagination. I know they do take samples and they still go take pictures and look at, you know, beautiful wonders around the world and use that to, you know, build the architecture of these worlds and stuff. But like there's so I'm so reverent towards animation because it's something that is honestly terrifying to me as a medium because it is so open like there's so much possibility that it's frightening. <laughs> yeah, you don't have you don't have constraints. That is like what I need to really get yeah. creativity out of my projects. If I'm just like you could do anything, I just sit there yeah. and don't do anything. Which is why like it's very easy for me to edit these podcasts and make the most out of what exists. It's very hard for me to sit down and write things where I'm not limited by anything. The possibilities are endless. Which are the two things I'm doing during quarantine. (laughs) Those are those are all my jobs. I I will say it. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I quickly I looked up a little bit more about the remake, and it's uh, from Moana Studios, basically the people who did The Little Prince. So already within. So I think that's a tremendous fit. Yeah, the that was a really um, 
that was a really beautiful looking film. Um, I, and I, I kind of had maybe the same critical eye in terms of like, you know, there's not really character development, uh, in that movie, but like the animation is absolutely mind blowingly beautiful. I mean, I can, I can pitch the version that I would love to see of this. I would like to see, I guess Leica already did Coraline, so maybe that's a little bit <laughs> But, like, I would love to see, like, that sort of stop motion carried through. From that Leica. would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm good. stoked on the fact that it's going to be centered on a, a lady. Yeah. Yeah. On Nima. I want, do you think there'll be a prince? Who gives? I hope not. <laughs> we don't need no prince. Who's going to bribe her with cookies, then, if it's just the, the king or oh, queen? That, that would becomes be creepy a little creepier. if it's a king. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes. What Touché. if there's a prince in it who just has, like, no agency and no real purpose for being in the movie? Oh, my God. That just, like, just reminds like, me oh, of, like, Your little, your little rat throw. friend. <laughs> your little rat friend. <laughs> All right. Terrible question. Do you think that this gender-swapped remake will get ugly internet pushback? Yeah, of course. Haters. Gross. The incels are going to be coming I mean, out. Yeah, like uh, that's just, I think that's just a constant right now. Like I, I don't know when that's going to go away, but I don't see it going away anytime soon. Which is stupid because it's like, well, this is based 100% on like imagination crazy. Yeah. Why couldn't you imagine it being a, a based on a girl? Why can't you imagine a girl having an imagination? Exactly. She doesn't have to just be <laughs> the princess who cares about her dress, okay? <laughs> yeah. Just to go back to that conversation on how endless you know, how open animation is. Uh, you know, we have talked about Ranma and them reusing cells and that sort of thing. And budget actually does factor into animation. This seemed like a very expensive movie. <laughs> Although compared really? to, say, Treasure Planet, this was, um, I think this was like a $30 million movie. Are you kidding me? Wow. Then why does it sound so fucking bad? <laughs> I would like think everyone that they would sounds have more like open they're... eyes then. I thought they just were like, <laughs> seriously, like, I don't want to draw all these eyes. <laughs> there were so many things that just seemed like uh, cost saving measures. But like, really? no, what always, what like always what? bothered me? There's a lot of like reused animation. But I mean, what bothered me the most is just it just sounds like all the actors are like distant from their mic or I, to, and it's consistent enough that it seems like a conscious decision. And, like, microphone technology was good enough. In the late 80s, other animated movies and other movies don't sound this distant. It seems like you are you are watching a performance through glass. You're just a little bit more removed from the movie than you need to be. And maybe, you know, that's like it's well, a when you magical, it that ethereal. Way. It yeah. doesn't work for me at all. Okay. I want to be there with those people. I never considered that, actually. Yeah, to me it sounds fine. But it also sounds like the way I feel a lot of these movies sound. Like if you listen to Rock and Roll, which is a, probably a much cheaper movie, you know, they they still sound far away all the time. But it's also like a lot of this movie is in wide shots. Like this is, you know... It Close-up sound are, distance too. It's you, not like forced perspective. But I, I mean, I'm just saying this movie is kind of removed, I feel like, in a lot of ways. And that, that might have been something conscious. Back to the budget thing real quick. So this movie did cost $35 million and... Earned eleven million in the box office. It was a box office bomb, and did not do well. I think it had a good life on video, uh, which of course is where Genevieve and I first saw it, and you know has developed what you might call a cult following. But yeah, did not do well when it first came out. 
where was it released? Like just in Japan or? I mean, it's definitely an American co-production. I guess the English, yeah, good point. Yeah, these ones are dubs. <laughs> well, there there is a there is a Japanese cast version, like, um, and I'm sure they were doing both at the same time. I'm not sure if it's one of those movies where, you know, they did both versions in terms of the way the mouths move, because it mean, feels like they match. That up definitely would have added to the budget significantly. There's not very many animated movies that do that. Coco is the only one I can think of. Yeah, I don't know. I just okay, so I just remembered this. Do you guys have you guys ever seen the movie Wizards? I know of it. Uh, that's Bakshi, right? It's I have no idea. I just know that like Mark Hamill did the voice. Yeah, I've seen so, Wizards. Okay, it's Twist. yeah Ralph Bakshi, Bakshi, whatever. Um, yeah, but that is a movie also kind of similar to Nemo with like the demons and like the underground, like the and especially the drawing of like the evil goblin elves things. Yeah, and, and Ralph Bakshi is a really, really interesting person. We've talked about him a little bit on this podcast, and it'd be fun to do him one of his movies sometime. I don't know what Wizards, what that stamp left on you, Sage, or when you saw it. It is so dark. Um, it's just a, yeah, it's just I mean, a weird movie. He, he's more of an adult guy. He, I think, was at Disney and left uh, during a strike and just didn't come back. And he developed a lot of like stranger techniques. Like Wizards has a lot of um, live action stuff laid on top of animation and vice versa, made to look more like cartoons to kind of lower their budgets because he was working at much lower budgets and taking home much less money than like, you know, they, they weren't advertised towards kids. Totally. It was like Nazi propaganda and those, the nymphs that they wait, have. Wait, it was? Like... What? Wait, oh, what? yeah. What? <laughs> they have, huh. that's what the hero's like journey for that is, is that they've discovered this reel of Nazi propaganda. That... Oh, I thought you were saying the movie was Nazi propaganda. Oh, no, like, no, no, no. Wow, did not know that about Ralph Bakshi. Mm, uh... nice. But then the like nymphs in it <laughs> are like super sexy it. adult like women that like get, they have sex and stuff. I watched it kind of recently, so that's why I'm like, it, I remember that it's... Super sexy women not that for, have sex not and yet. stuff. Oh, it's super sex sexy nymphs. Like, <laughs> that's what they're made for. I'm really interested in him, but I haven't seen that much of his stuff. Like, I know he was famous for Fritz the Cat, and, like, Cool World is a movie that I haven't seen because it's uh, critically panned, but Brad Pitt in, like, a ver uh, like um, an attempt at, you know, live-action cartoon mashup, uh, I'm, I'm pretty interested in yeah, seeing. Yeah, Brad Pitt, you say? <laughs> yeah, I want to see... More of those in general. Like I've seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Space Jam, but I keep forgetting there was like a couple other versions of those. So yeah, cool those are the big two. Um, I was trying to remember the names of them and my mind was blanking. But Cool World is like one of those that just didn't work apparently. And I think, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you can still show to kids. Like it is a movie that's very smart but and very adult. adulty, yeah. Yeah, but like it works for kids. And I think Cool World, like famously Brad Pitt has sex with a cartoon in it. And uh, I need to that's a little this. less for kids. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, I'm like Brad Pitt yeah. having sex with it. Yep, I'll watch that. I'll watch well, Brad Pitt have sex with anything. Anything. <laughs> yeah. Official stance um, of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Well, I feel like this is a good place to end it, Sage. It is. Genevieve, yep. any, any last thoughts? No, thanks for having me on, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to having you back. Me too. It's my pleasure. Where can we All find right. you on the internet if we can? 
Um, if you want I to am, be found. <laughs> find me. Uh, I am on Insta- IG, Genevieve Constance Jones. Good luck spelling it. <laughs> yeah, so you made it a riddle for people I'm like that's truly it so i mean g-e-n-e-v-i-e-v-e i hope you're writing this down constance c-o no, i'm not gonna go through it all but yeah all right now make them work for it yeah thank you <laughs> um you can find me at gavin v murray on instagram and other things and Sage, you were gonna say everything I, I care about that you can you. find is at still good <laughs> because this is this is what I do for the it's foreseeable future. It's who I am. All right. Well, thank you and uh, good night. Take care, guys. Bye. Sweet dreams. Have wild dreams. Farewell to dreamy times, starbeams and times where everyone is a friend laughter and bright ever afters scatter your tears and your fears but once you awaken the joy you have taken just disappear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's Nemo in Slumberland. <laughs>